Hello, advanced English learners. Welcome back to another conversation. I'm joined by the one and only Greg. Hello, hello. Welcome. Thank you. So we do these to help you with your listening comprehension skills, to help you build vocabulary and expressions and learn how to have a conversation in English and be able to carry on a conversation as well as improve your communication skills. And we provide a free worksheet that you can always get by subscribing to our free newsletter by going to our website at advancedenglish.co and then you'll see an option to join mailing list. So definitely check that out because you'll get those free worksheets that go along with these conversations. All right, without further ado, let's jump into today's topic, which is... Drum roll. All about space travel. Oh, nice. I love space travel. Yeah, that's why I think we'll have fun with this. All right, let's get into it. We'll be right back after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right. So let's first define what we're going to be discussing in terms of space travel, because that's a broad concept. Yes, space travel is probably originally the the domain of science fiction novels. But of course, over the course of the last few decades, we've made some strides. And I think the way to discuss it today that might be most relevant is to talk about some of the developments in the companies competing for space travel. Why are we doing space travel? And in the near term, how will it affect our lives? Because obviously we can talk about the Star Wars, multi-galaxy travel, but the reality is that's not going to happen in our lifetimes, if ever. And so I think it'd be more useful for everyone if we talked about some of the specific types of space travel that we have available currently and how we might have access to that as regular people as well. That's right. I think that's a good starting point. And we can always follow up with something more sci-fi if you would enjoy that, because we also enjoy talking about more of the science fiction out there technology. So let's start with then the more approachable way of exploring space, which seems to be SpaceX. Yes. So of the companies currently competing, and it's funny that I'm even saying companies because historically the only only way to get into space was to go through a government agency, right? Of course, in America, that's NASA. And most countries, most of the larger countries have their own space administration of some form. 
And the reason why that was reserved to governments is because it's really expensive to get a vehicle or anything really into space yeah. out of the Earth's orbit. Let's talk about some of the costs associated with, so the fuel. And they're actually not using oil. It's rocket fuel, which is a combination of kerosene and a few other ignition substrates that are very energy dense. Because we need to be able to take these out into Earth's orbit. That's right. So you're trying to lift something heavy. And think about when you lift a weight, 40 pounds. If you're in a gym and you lift a weight, that's a lot of work just to get that weight off the ground. So 40 pounds or like 20 kilos, just for some context. Exactly. That's tough to do. Definitely. Imagine trying to take that same weight up Mount Everest. Uh, that's even harder to do. That's a lot of work. Right. These spaceships are going up many times as high as Mount Everest, and they're a whole lot heavier than your 40-pound weight. So this is a lot and a lot of work. So you need rocket fuel. Exactly. Let's go back to the example of carrying the weight up the mountain. What do you use to fuel yourself to get that weight up the mountain? You need energy. Yeah, as so well. So I would say a good nutrient-dense meal or two. Food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. you need food. You need calories. Calories. Energy. Energy, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. rocket ships need it too. They just have rocket fuel for that. Yes. And like I said, it's primarily kerosene with a few other liquid oxygen. Okay. I think they typically do. Might even be some nitrogen there. This is not my area of expertise, the types of fuels. They, they play with those fuels to try and get the most efficient, highest density energy combination. And what they essentially do is create a controlled blast inside the rocket. Wow. And so you get this explosion and the explosion has so much force. And the only way that force can escape is at the hole of the rocket, the exhaust port. And so all this energy is forced through this tiny little port. And as we know from Newtonian physics, every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction, right? So a force that is pushing down- Will also be will pushing also up. Will also be pushing up, exactly. And so that lifts the rocket. And so the primary expense here in, at least ongoing expense for flight, is getting the spaceship off the ground, which is fuel really. But of course, there are also lots of other various expensive parts to it. Because weight is so much of a factor, you need to use very expensive metals and alloys when you're building the rocket. So that it stays intact? So that it stays intact while also remaining light. Ah, very right? interesting. So performance appropriate. Exactly, yeah. so you need really strong but light materials. And why so strong? Because these rockets are moving faster than bullets, right? So if you fire a gun, this rocket would move faster than that bullet. Wow. That's how fast these things are going, many times yeah. faster than the bullet. And not to mention, there's lots of debris in space. There's lots of bits of things just flying, floating. They're floating, and they're constantly floating because there's no gravity. And so you just end up probably running into a lot of that kind of debris. And there's also asteroids, and you have to be really careful in yeah. space. <laughs> no, it's, that's a really good point. Yeah, there's what they call space junk. Yeah. Most of which is caused by us as humans. When satellites are decommissioned or they collide with something, they break into little pieces. And fortunately, space is really big, yeah. like way bigger than we can really imagine. And so the risk of colliding with those things is actually extremely remote, except as you get closer and closer to Earth, yeah. the orbit of Earth, the surface area starts to compress. The closer you get to Earth, the less space there is for things to move. 
And so as you get close to Earth's orbit, there actually is a decent chance that you're gonna hit a little bit of this junk. Wow. And that's actually, because of the speeds that these things are all moving at, there's, in some ways, there's nothing you can do. They're gonna cause serious damage, but they can track everything up to, I think, a couple centimeters. So they have surprising amount of knowledge about to where those pieces of debris are. So that they can divert their flight and they can navigate around the debris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And every now and then, you'll hear about, in the news, a satellite that has to make emergency maneuvers to avoid space junk. China, I think it was China, I can't remember if it was China or, or Russia, I'm pretty sure it was China, got in trouble recently because when you destroy something in space, let's mm -hmm. say you're decommissioning a satellite, you're supposed to do that in a very controlled way where the pieces of debris come back down to Earth. Mm -hmm. You essentially let the satellite fall down and instead they exploded this thing. By exploding it, that caused debris to fly everywhere and that's very hard to track. It's very hard for the other astronauts to avoid. We'll be right back after this short break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's funny how we, so there's this, we know about pollution in the water, that we're trying to clean up. We know about air pollution. What about space pollution? I always wonder if there is debris that we are mostly humans are to blame for, then we should clean it up. Is there a way of vacuuming it? You know what I mean? It would be very beneficial to, I think, the whole galaxy. Yeah, at a galaxy level, that's probably never gonna be a problem because again, so space vast. is so vast, right? To think about a galaxy, a galaxy, is millions of stars, maybe even billions of stars in just one galaxy. Our solar system is a solar system around just one of those stars. And think about how long it takes for us to go from Earth to Mars, the next planet in our, in our the sun's orbit. Yeah. From Earth to Mars, do you know how long it takes? From Earth to Mars, I would say maybe 10 years. Not quite, probably two years. It depends on the orbit. So okay. probably in some of the further orbits, that might actually be around 10 years. On a closer orbit, it's more like, I think two years, something okay. like that. Which is still a really long time. Which is still an insanely long time, right? Imagine, Closest planet. Can you imagine traveling anywhere for two years? I know. Right? It's like we complain about when two we- Two hour traffic. Two hour traffic or when we're flying to Asia, that's in, 10, 18 hours. Yeah. If you're, It's a really long flight is 18 hours. Yeah. Two years. Years. Ugh. And those are the, the people that are excited to go to Mars. That's what they're signing up for. Two years really long of travel. Time. So what yeah. are some of the other implications for us as normal people? How are we going to be in our lifetime using space travel in our daily lives? Yeah, one of the things I'm quite excited about actually uses space travel. 
but it's to get to other parts of Earth. Okay, that's what I was gonna hope. I, yeah. I was hoping you were gonna say that. Okay. This is low Earth orbit transportation, right? Yeah. So there's different levels of orbit, basically the distance you get from the surface of the Earth. And the space station is actually surprisingly close to Earth. If you just had a piece of string that went from the ground to touching the space station, I think it's only like a couple hundred miles. That's you could crazy. drive that in a couple hours. Yeah. So it's not that far. It's a um, shorter distance than going cross country in America. Oh, much shorter. It's like driving from Philadelphia to a little bit. As opposed that. to going East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, yeah. It's a very short. But it's vertical. So we don't but have vertical, the. So it the, takes a lot of energy. Yeah. And we also, we've never done that unless you're an astronaut listening who's actually been to the space station. Or if you've been on a climbing wall and you go yeah. directly straight up. That's a lot of work to lift your weight. Or if you're trying to do a pull-up in the gym. Again, yeah. going vertical is really hard. Yeah, I haven't, I hadn't thought about that. No wonder pull-ups are so hard. Yeah. Because <laughs> of gravity. The common misconception is rockets don't fly vertically. You think of rockets yeah, as going straight up to the space station, for example. Oh, That's not actually how it works. So how does it work? They go on a curve, on an ellipsis. Interesting. Right? So they come up, and if you look at the streak of a rocket, it's not straight up. You'll see it it's curve. Like, so like right. a C-shape? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a parabola. And it, the reason it does that is you have to escape the Earth's what orbit. Yeah, the orbit. Right? It's orbit. Um, the centrifugal force of the Earth because right. the Earth is spinning. Because otherwise you have to get out of it. It's going to keep turning around and, and around. And you'll get sucked back down. Right. Exactly. Right. So things that are close to Earth in low Earth orbit aren't technically in orbit. They're really in a controlled fall around the Earth, which is very confusing to think. But the way it's explained to me is if you take a baseball and you throw it, yeah. right? It'll go 10 feet and fall to the ground. It'll curve. It's a parabola. If you are super, super strong, you can throw it and it'll go probably another 20, 30 feet, maybe 50 feet. And then eventually it falls to the ground. Yeah. So if you think of a spaceship, what you're trying to do is launch it so hard and fast, like that baseball, so far, so hard, so fast, that as it's falling, it goes, it exceeds the curvature of the Earth. Right. So it's falling around the Earth and you've accelerated it so fast that it's just falling around the Earth. And because it's going fast enough, it's not actually hitting the ground. Yeah. And that's what our space station is doing. Oh it's not technically in orbit where it's floating by itself. It's just in a controlled fall around the Earth. And every now and then, it starts to get closer to the Earth, and so they have to push it back out a little bit. Wow. How do they push it back out? I, I don't know. I think they might use rockets. They, yeah. they might have rockets on board the station, or maybe they hook up a rocket ship to it to pull it back out. It's a question for an astronaut. That's amazing. Okay, so let's go back to the... There's so much to say on this topic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're like getting close to time, and we haven't even finished talking about the companies going into space. So let's talk about the, I think, the real-world implications for this. Yes. We talked about the, oh, okay, the, travel. the travel. Okay, okay. Going, as we say, going from the U.S. to Asia takes anywhere from 12 to 15 hours to 18 hours, depending on where you're going. Yeah, if you have a layover, which is when you stop at an, another airport in another totally. country. Then it's 20 hours oh, or more. It's so exhausting. We've done it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exhausting. It's long. And if you've done it, yeah. So take this instead. So an airplane goes up about 40,000 feet, right? That's about twice as high as Mount Everest. Okay. okay. A rocket ship can go much higher, right? Yes. And because of that, it can escape the thicker, denser air. As you go higher into space, mm -hmm. the air becomes less dense. Yeah. And the less dense air becomes, the faster the object can travel through that 
through that medium. That makes sense. So our air at the surface atmosphere is very thick. Yeah. And that's why if you're biking, you start to feel it on your face. If you stick your hand outside of a moving car, you can feel, you can the, feel that wind. The wind, yeah. If you're really high up, like hundreds of thousands of feet in the, the air thins out. The air thins out. And if you stuck your hand out, you'd yeah. freeze first of all. Yeah. But it would you wouldn't really feel any wind because there's not much resistance at that altitude. And even at the Everest level, right, you hear stories about, I mean, there's very little oxygen. So Oh yeah. People have to bring oxygen tanks with them and, you know, it's very easy to asphyxiate. Yeah. And it's serious. Oh, yeah. 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 So the air gets thinner. That's good for a vehicle. Okay. Because the thinner the air is, the less fuel it needs to move through it. Yeah. And the faster it can move without the materials burning up. Yeah. And so... Overheating. Overheating, exactly. Because friction creates heat. And so air even has friction. If you move fast enough, it actually causes things to burn. That's why a meteorite hitting Earth will burn up. You see a comet, that glow? Yes. That's the friction of it hitting the air. Wow. It's, that's how hot and fast that's, it's going. Yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. What does this rocket ship airplane do? This rocket ship airplane goes into orbit, basically like an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile. It launches into- Base and drops back down within a matter of minutes in its destination location. We'll be right back after this short break. Right? It is going so fast. Can you imagine being a passenger? You really have to buckle in. You probably have to need more than just like an airplane seat Seat belt. belt. It's a full yeah. I bet it's a full harness. Think about the training that astronauts need, right? They have a lot of G-force training. The G-force is basically the gravitational force. And they get into, I mean, this is why I really wanted to go to space camp as a kid. Uh I think you did too. Um, There were these like machines, right? Where you get in, they're like a ball. Yeah. And you're basically floating and you're flying and you're going, you're getting twisted and turned upside down. And apparently it wreaks havoc on your stomach because you're getting nauseated. But that's how you prepare for G-force. G-force, exactly. So that's one of the things they're going to have to solve before this comes mainstream. But the ultimate promise is you can get from the U.S. to Asia in 45 minutes. It's just crazy. It's a marvel of technology. You can reach anywhere in the Earth within two hours. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And so that's just (laughs) such a cool thing, right, to get anywhere so quickly. Now, the question is, will that ever be affordable? Yeah, exactly. Unclear. Yeah. Is that going to be terrible for the environment? Yeah, that's another issue. Probably. Will it actually happen? I don't know. Is it possible? Definitely. And probably celebrities and high-powered business people who need to get around quickly might use it. On the other hand, we have VR. So yeah. is there really a need to get anywhere else in the world so quickly? Well, I was also going to say, let's figure out VR technology first because yeah. there's so many kinks in that technology. It's really easy to get nauseated just by putting the goggles on and trying to be in VR world. Yeah. So let's figure that out first. And by me, by us, I mean let's as a collective we. Society. Like humanity. Yeah. And honestly, fewer explosions too, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. But... The thought of it is really cool. The thought of it's really cool. Yeah. And what I'm actually personally very excited for as well is yeah. moon tourism. Yeah, you, you know, know, it's funny. You just read my mind because I was about to say that people can now purchase tickets to the moon when that's available, but be like waiting, being on like a wait, a wait list. list. Yeah, being on a wait list. Really? There's already a wait list? Yes. For tickets to the moon? Yeah, there already is. And Those are some this, trusting customers. And five years ago, it was like a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. 
let's just make sure we're not getting confused. Are you, you're not referring to there are some trips that you can take into space where you do a circle around the Earth. Okay. And I think there might even be one that does go around the moon. Uh-huh. So maybe that's what maybe you're referring to. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, I just know that it's to, yeah. something about going from here to the moon is a million dollars. That must be it. It must be they do like a loop around the moon. Maybe that's what it which is. Which is really cool. But what I really want is to land on the moon. Yeah, I want to. I want to touch the surface of a alien planet. That would be cool. Well, oh, moon isn't a, moon a planet. Is, yeah. But okay, it's a satellite technically. Yeah. You can tell we watch a lot of sci-fi and <laughs> we, yeah. we get excited about it. The fun fact about the moon: okay. the dust is so fine, yeah. the particulate matter, yeah. that it can cause skin irritation and lung irritation. Oh. So one of the issues that the astronauts had when they came back onto the spaceship was cleaning off all that dust because it can get into the machinery, it can get into the... So getting that dust off is... Because it's been pounded into tiny pieces over hundreds of millions of years yeah. of asteroids and meteorites hitting it. So. Incredible. There's, it's just so fascinating. So very fascinating. So we gave you a little glimpse of what sort of we're thinking about, what excites us with space travel. Obviously, like if you want to get into the more sci-fi out there kind of discussion of course that's always we're always game for that yeah but just in terms of the potential for like great-grandchildren down the line their generation probably but in our generation it is looking there's an upside to it i think we'll get some of it and we are benefiting in other ways right we talked about spacex we could do a whole episode on them we should do a whole episode on On them spacex Um, but one of their big innovations is you know the starlink satellites that they're setting up that one's internet everywhere because that provides access around exactly. the whole entire world. So, so that already affects it, right? Part of space sure. travel is not just for humans, it's for items, for goods and satellites. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And maybe that'll make shipping goods also easier. I'm not sure that we'll ever transport goods via space. We maybe do for mm-hmm. like very high priority things that need to get somewhere quickly. But certainly shuttling resources from asteroids and from moons onto Earth. Yeah. yeah. Even cleaning up the space, that too. I think that's an important one. Because yep. if there's lots of space junk out there, we should... You don't want to hit it. Do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so lots of really fun things to think about. We can go on and on about this. What are some of the things that excite you with anything that we discussed today? Are you pro-space travel? Would you consider getting in a rocket ship if the opportunity were to present itself to you? What are sort of your thoughts around space? Tell us. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, and we look forward to having you join us for another conversation with Greg and myself, and then I'll see you in another lesson very soon. All right, happy advanced English learning, everyone. Something very big is going live in January. If you've enjoyed the content we've put out on advanced English and Explearning, then you're going to love what is coming next. If you've wanted an opportunity to meet your fellow Explearners in a welcoming and dynamic environment, then what we have on the horizon is going to be perfect for you. So keep an eye out for more details coming soon and make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter, which you can find on advancedenglish.co and explearning.co because that's where you're going to hear it first. All right. See you then.